Hello, podcast community. This is podcast producer Bobby Richards. And as we count down to the new year, I just wanted to remind you, it's podcast listener survey time. This is the time of year where we get super excited for your feedback and you guys get super excited for the chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card. All you have to do is go to storybrand.com survey, answer your questions, give us your feedback, let us know how we can be the best business podcast ever. And just by doing that, you'll be eligible for a $50 Amazon gift card. And a little disclaimer, all of the information you provide us is confidential and we will not contact you about your answers. But we will let you know if you want a $50 Amazon gift card. Just go to storybrand.com slash survey, show us some love, give us some feedback, and we'll use it to be even better as we transition into the Business Made Simple podcast in 2021. Thank you so much for listening and Happy New Year. Welcome to the Building of Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J., that's the very last time we will ever say that. That opening paragraph, yeah. It's it's done. I know. The, the podcast starting three days from now uh-huh. is called <laughs> Business Made Simple oh, instead of Building a Story Brand. What a great run. Episode 233. Dang. Gosh, that's amazing. And, and it's grown... From zero listeners to over 100,000 listeners per episode. More than that now. I've been yeah. saying that for a long time. Yeah. Well, we, we have a tradition, mm-hmm. and the tradition is the final episode of the year we do best of. Yes. And we had yeah. quite a year. I feel like this could be hours and hours and it hours. It really could be. Yeah. That's always the struggle is to find you know, the best nuggets of yeah. conversation that we've had that would deliver the most value yeah. to listeners. So in order to do that, we got to go all the way back to January, pre-pandemic days. Yes, when there was hope in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we talked with Shel Rochevet about her book, Words That Change Mine. I've actually read it twice. It literally is that good. It's a book yep. you study. You don't just read it. What I loved about that interview is she gives you really practical tools, these cues that you can look for in conversations to really be able to analyze, really, in many ways, the other person and what's going on in the conversation so that you can steer the conversation the way you yeah. want it to go. <laughs> it's like learning magic tricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It? A little science powers, you know, like magic a little bit. Well, and really, when we're in a conversation, she teaches you to interpret what the other person is saying yes. so that you can respond in such a way that you're on their wavelength. And yeah. she actually, I'm going to play a clip that she demonstrates her method on me. Yes, she actually in uses the interview. it on me. She kept doing this during the interview. She would say, well, I see that you use the word why. And yes. when you use the word why, you were, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm being psychoanalyzed. It was magic. Trust me, I've been using it for a while now. All right, here's clip number one. It's from episode 185. Shell Rose Charvet does psychological vocabulary jujitsu. It feels like a superpower. It feels like if you understood this, you are understanding a language that is a subtext of the language that whatever person you're talking to is actually speaking. It is a superpower. It is exactly a subtext. You know, you've heard, I'm sure you've interviewed tons of people and you've talked to tons of people who tell you how important it is to listen. What people don't tell you is what to listen for. And that's what I've concentrated on. It's like, you don't just sort of open your ears and get this fire hose of information. You need to kind of triage to know, well, what's important and what's not? Uh, how is this person expressing things so that you know what's motivating them and what turns them off so that you can actually communicate better with them? Let's say that you are talking to somebody who maybe is a bit hostile and, you know, it's a negotiation as 
innocent as where the property line is between you and your neighbor. You want to put up a fence. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want you to put up a fence. And so they're, they're clearly playing kind of hardball. Within that, the context of the initial conversation, one of the things that you say that we should be assessing, is this person a do it now person or a let's think about it person? Because after you assess that, you can move on with the conversation in such a way that they are going to feel more disarmed and more comfortable. Okay, do it now or let's think about it. Would you let me step back for one moment Absolutely. and analyze your question before yeah. I answer it? I have, no, I have no doubt you want to analyze my question. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. I just thought you might find that amusing. Okay. I would very so much find it amusing. You asked me, uh, why should we do this? Yes. And the word why is an indicator of a certain kind of thinking. And for me to answer your question properly, not only do I need to answer the question, I need to answer it in the motivation, in the way you were thinking about it. Okay, so what did that say about me, though, when you heard that? What did it say about the way I think and the way that you need to move forward? Right. It tells me you need a bunch of alternative options. You didn't say, how do I deal with this conversation, which would have been uh, what we call a procedures trigger. And it would have meant you wanted like a step-by-step, first do this, then do this, then do that. You didn't do that. You said, why should we do this? So now you I need to know why we're doing this. Why? Like, what are the alternative ways of looking at this? Well, for me to answer you, instead of answering you in a step-by-step manner, I now need to give you a series of ways of thinking about it. So I'll say, well, one reason that it's important is so that you know how to go to what I call the other person's bus stop, because I view all communication as a journey. So if you want someone to go on the journey with you, first you have to go to them and pick it up. Another reason why it's important is if you don't match their need to either do it now or let's think about it, they're not going to cooperate with you, even if you end up getting something that's agreeable to them, because you're not phrasing it in a way they can get on board with it. If you're in a do it now mode and the other person's in a let's think about it mode, they're going to perceive you as a bulldozer. And think you're just trying to get your own way. And contrary, if you're in a let's think about it mode, they're going to think you're a wimp and you can't make up your mind. I'm surprised she didn't just say, these are not the droids you're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) You know she has that ability. That's why I got obsessed with it. I got obsessed with it because words really are how we create worlds. Yep. She really is some kind of a Jedi, Yeah, right? yeah. Well, and speaking of Jedi, we yep. have our own, very own in-house Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> Doug Kime. Yeah, back in February, we chatted with the StoryBrand president, Doug Kime, about the importance of hiring a coach, not a cheerleader. Right, because most business coaches are actually business cheerleaders. Yeah. <laughs> they root you on, they cheer you on, but they have zero ability to give you the skills and frameworks it needs for you to succeed. So many times business owners think they're getting great advice and guidance from a coach. All they're really getting is a pat on the back and a monthly invoice. I mean, you're basically paying people to be your friend. So we're lucky to have Doug on our team. He, he wasn't on our team mm-hmm. when I met him. I mean, he, he was sort of my coach for years. Yeah. And then he came on as president of StoryBrand. And uh, he's always just spouting such wisdom. I finally just brought him on the show. So here's part of our conversation. And you're going to listen to it. It's really going to help you understand what you're looking for from your coach. You know, Don, I think it's amazing how many people come to work every day and don't have a clear view of success. And that's what your mission should do. 
it should give you a very, very clear view of what success looks like and feels like. Yeah. It shouldn't be that complicated. We should know what winning is. Oh, big time. And, big time. And what direction we're supposed to go. And so if you can't say to your team, you know, if you get everybody on your team together for the next staff meeting, you say, guys, what does success look like? If we succeed in our mission, what does life look like? And if we have a bunch of people staring at their toes, we got a problem. There should be a system of productivity that increases efficiency, not just because you want everybody to be crazy and exhausted because they got so much work done, for the exact opposite reason, so that we are not wasting time and energy. Give us one of the principles that we have to understand in order to be productive. Yeah, so Don, you know that we've made this shift in the company that every single team member in StoryBrand has a one-pager, and basically what that one-pager has are the five critical priorities in their department and then five personal priorities. And it's amazing how much that decreases inefficiencies. Wasted effort on things that are not priorities. 100%. And really, this is a prioritization exercise. Many people are not productive because they haven't prioritized properly. They haven't decided what are the highest return opportunities that they have and get focused on them. And then keep your focus and intensity up by looking at that. You know, we have a quick speed check every week. We talk about those things that for about is, 10 or 15 every minutes. Every employee meets with a yep. superior every week, standing for 15 minutes, and we call it a speed check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You and I have spent a ton of time on this. We're going to film a course on this in a couple months, but it's business strategy. And it sounds very Harvard ish and white paper ish and a little too intellectual. That's not what we're actually talking about. We're talking about a simple framework that you can actually look at and know whether or not the idea that we're thinking about launching is good or bad. And if there's something wrong with a division of your company, the same framework will show you what is wrong with it. And we just call it strategy made simple or business strategy made simple. But what is the essence of that? You know, in a nutshell, Don, I think what we're going to share with everybody is the power of taking the brutal facts and marrying those with your gut instinct, intuition, and experience. I mean, I think that's really what it's all about, where, you know, most people, most leaders weigh on one side or the other. They either are so driven by a fact base and a database that they lack imagination and creativity, or they're such a dreamer and a visionary that they ignore the facts. And I think we're going to be able to show them a mental model, a framework that very, very quickly- kind of removes the emotion from it, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, or it really will harness it in a lot better way. Like, I want you to be excited about our strategy. I don't want you to be emotionless about it, but I just don't want you to be just emotional either. I want you to be intellectually engaged, (laughs) you know, and know we have pressure tested this in the right way. And then we unlock the imagination of our company and our customers, you know, so both of those are equally important. So I can't wait for us to share a very simple, straightforward way to think about strategy. All right, I've started following Adrienne Bankert on Instagram after she wrote a book on kindness. Yeah. And she's so fun. I mean, one minute she's in the middle of a hurricane because she's a news anchor. And one minute she's in the middle of a hurricane, next she's interviewing The Rock and stuff like that. (laughs) But her whole shtick 
if, if, if that's not an offensive thing to say, yeah. is kindness. <laughs> she would not say it's a shtick. She would not say it's a shtick. She would say it's essential. I will say it's a shtick that works if it's a shtick. Well, the title of her book is Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable. And I'll say this, she's <laughs> at right. At work and connects you with anyone. So She's right. <laughs> and she kind of talks about that in episode 209 from this year, and she gives some great examples of what you can do to introduce more kindness into your life. Something that I am famous for saying is that I try to live my life like I have a hot mic on all the time. Really? Oh, my goodness, yes. Is that because of your your background in the media? I mean, does that steal your authenticity or your willingness to be yourself or willingness to make mistakes? No, because I've made tons of mistakes. No, I think that the key is, and I think that media and whatever industry you're in is an analogy for the kind of work that's going on on the inside of you. So- I think everybody should act like they live like they have a hot mic on. Then I don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing because I'm not going to tell you anything other than what I would say if we were in the privacy of my apartment. Well, you talk in the book about the power of giving. You will be amazed by how kindness leads you to boldly discover more than you could have imagined. Being kind will turn everyday events into your most memorable experiences. Growth will come from seeing and knowing others with a desire to be a part of improving their lives. Can you give us some ideas about how we can transform into people who are giving to the people around us? What are some tangible things that we can do? Well, let me start with something really entry level. Instead of sending a text message to people, send a video message of encouragement to people. This is absolutely free. Mm. It takes you 10 seconds. Freeze frame your smile so you don't look blurry when you send it to them. <laughs> Just smile really quick on your teeth and don't say a word. And then as soon as you press record, say, hey, I just wanted to tell you you were amazing. I can't wait to see your face and just press send. Oh. It's a lot more connecting and it's a lot more generous than you just saying, oh, here's a text, hope you stay safe and healthy. Another thing you can do that's easy is people aren't going to lunches and coffees. As business people, we're used to taking people to lunch and coffee. Yeah. Put something in their Venmo or Cash App. If you don't have that account information, email them and say, hey, do you have Venmo or Cash App? Drop 10 bucks in their account. It's not a lot of money. Drop 25 bucks in their account. Just say, hey, I'm taking you to lunch today. Whatever you order on Postmates or Seamless, it's on me. And then consider as a company, adopting the dreams and visions of people who work for you right now, ask your employees, who does your heart break for right now? Is it the nurses? Is it the single parents? Is it the firefighters? Who do you care about right now? And who is your compassion moving towards? And what can we do as a company to possibly support that intention or that passion on the inside of those employees that will keep them more active, it'll keep them more inventive, and they're gonna be doing something where they know their company is invested in what they care about. All right, JJ, talk about another Jedi. Hal yes. Runkle. Yes. <laughs> what leadership and parenting have in common. I, I, I did this interview with Hal uh, having read a summary of his book, but not having read the book. And after the interview, went and read a book on parenting, and I have no kids. Yeah. That's how good <laughs> he yeah. is. Yeah. He's so good at basically helping you understand some universal principles. That is, you can't control people. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not a dictator. You have to work with people. You have to accept them as human beings with their own agenda and agency, even if they're your own children. Yeah. And how this prepares them to be adults. So we applied his methodology on parenting because he wrote a book called Scream Free Parenting. Yeah. He also has a book called Scream Free Marriage. I should have read that one because I am married. <laughs> and, and bottom line, if you're a leader, 
of any organization, it's very similar to parenting. Yeah. It really is. People look up to you. They depend on you in some way. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can really hurt somebody. Yeah. Uh, if you are casual in your conversation without forethought. Yeah. And I, I was just really inspired. Here's a bit of my conversation with Hal Runkle. And this is for parents and for leaders is the most frustrating part of leading anybody is that they have a mind of their own and you can't make them do anything. So telling an employee what to do all the time, micromanaging in that way is not giving them space, but you're still expecting them to make a good decision. And so if I tell you a task to do, who decides whether or not to do it? They do. But we always have to respect the fact that they have the space to make decisions for themselves. And that's the whole point. How do you get a child to do what you need them to do when they could run into the street? I think there are people who are listening and pushing back saying, I believe you, but at the same time, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work when it needs to work right. at some point. So listen to your language. Okay. How do we get them to do what we need them to do? But when we get down to a kid's level, I need you to get dressed on time. Who's in charge now? They are. Because whenever you're in need, the other person has an advantage. Just like, you know, if you're trying to buy a used car first week of the year, you're in a bad spot. You do it the last week of the year, you're in a good spot because they need it more, the deal more than you do. Let me spitball here. Is it saying, you know, to maybe my team, we're really trying to grow this team or this company. Here's our mission. In order to accomplish our mission, I think everybody needs to make, uh, or the sales team needs to make 100 calls a week. Right. Do that voluntarily if you like. I mean, aren't we just playing semantics at that point? It feels like we're tricking people into thinking that it's their idea, but really we're the leader with the vision and the strategy and the plan, and we're asking people to adapt to that plan. Am I wrong? And how am I not tricking them into doing it? Well, first of all, semantics, I don't believe their semantics actually exists. We have an, a, million, a huge vocabulary in the English language for a reason, and we choose our words because of the meaning we have attached to them. For instance, I should have done that versus I could have done that. That changes everything about that perspective. I need to do that versus I want to do that. What we need to do is not delegate tasks. We need to delegate the anxiety. Like, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. I am absolutely sure that we got the right people in the room. And that what that does is it calls them up to, first of all, feel the anxiety of the mission itself instead of just thinking only about their particular task. But also what it does is it, it speaks to them that you believe in them, that you believe they can do more. Let's get down to some practical solutions from your perspective, Hal, and we can translate this in our own minds into leadership. Sure. You've got a 13-year-old. They haven't done their homework in two weeks. The teacher calls and says, you know, Johnny is just not turning in their homework. Not turning in work, sure. You're walking up to their room. Tell me what that conversation looks like with Johnny from your perspective. First of all, my number one thing is my job is to be in that room and in that conversation, the lowest heart rate, no matter what. This is really fascinating and helpful. Yeah. You go in thinking more about how to control yourself and your emotions than controlling Johnny. Because I can't control Johnny. And every effort I do, it's never going to happen. That sounds like the most freeing way to live I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's unbelievable. When you recognize I have zero control over what anybody else does. Or your spouse or your son Absolutely. or your daughter or your team or whatever. I just got to manage me no matter what. I'm still thinking through that stuff. It's Seriously. quite a paradigm shift. Yeah, the idea that you can't control somebody else, like that's yeah. applicable to any relationship you're in, work, 
personal. I read a not book. Parent kid. Ginger, you would love this book, and you would love the fact that I read it called "The Gifts of Acceptance." And yeah. it's basically how to accept people as they are without trying to change them or control them. <laughs> I do love I that read you read it. that book. <laughs> <laughs> I read that book too at the same time. So maybe it's a theme yeah. in my life. Yeah. Learn to accept people and things as they are. Yeah. Talking about ex- people who are easy to accept. Yeah. Our next oh, best of you. guest is... JJ, but also Matthew McConaughey. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we had Matthew McConaughey on the show, and there was some internal tension on staff mm-hmm. because Kula <laughs> Callahan really thought that interview was being teed up for her. Yes, yep. And it wasn't. No. There's she- a reason I thought it was being teed up for me, Don. <laughs> well, there's a question you ladies get and asked gentlemen, as Kula Callahan. a preteen and a teenager, <laughs> oh, by the way, and hey, a Kula. high schooler and a college grad. If cool. you could I'm interview so or go to dinner with ladies any famous person ever on the planet, who would it be and why? My answer to that question has always and will always be Mary Poppins, Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. So of course I get all glitzed and glammed thinking that I'm going to be the one. Performing you thought this, this was God resolving that whole storyline oh, in your past. Yeah. Because yeah. I've known the questions that I would ask him for literal <laughs> decades. However, I lost that battle and had to watch you. Well, it wasn't much of a battle. Live my fantasy. She was in here we were watching you do the interview Kula and I yeah for some reason and you guys showed up that yeah, day we showed up that day we were watching and the scars I have from JJ, her nails digging JJ, into my arm JJ. every time he smiled okay that this is, is the awesome. other thing just a PSA I don't fangirl over people there are uh-huh. two besides me but mm, fine fair there are two people on the planet that I would fangirl over Tiger Woods and Matthew McConaughey <laughs> and you just so happen to be interviewing the one person on this planet that I would lose my mind if I'd ever gotten a chance to talk to him. And so, yes, JJ had marks on his arm. Sorry. <laughs> I'm actually not sorry. And there are several questions you didn't ask him that I would. Well, what are those? Liked. I'm curious. I think our listeners deserve to know. <laughs> what are these amazing questions I mean, that God really put on your heart what, in what junior high to this podcast when you were okay, dealing with your folded piece of paper that made a flower <laughs> that decided <laughs> where you would live? Who this you would marry, what kind of car you would drive, and what oh, sort of pet you would own. Things. The fortune tellers? <laughs> they were pretty awesome. They were actually. so fun. <laughs> yeah. So fun. Yeah. Green Lights is yeah. an excellent book. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, we could have had a whole, you're right. We could have had a whole other conversation about that, but we didn't. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, but he, got, he got into a lot of philosophy That's and true. about kind of yeah. creating and creating your own kind of green lights. Right. right? Like, yeah. like in the you spots where you get into space where there's red lights or yellow lights, you need to pay attention to those and then creating your own green lights. Yeah. Well, I'm also interested to know what it was like for him kind of going back through all those decades of journaling and then filtering that through this theme and then writing a story, a narrative, but about something that he'd actually lived. Yeah. Mm. And how different that would have been and what came up introspectively. He those would have been that. better questions. <laughs> And this is where it's, he really I know, but JJ, I'm gonna. This is a rare moment of vulnerability for Go. me. Kula heard from God in junior <laughs> high that she uh-huh. was supposed to interview Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Get him back on the horn. Here's Get what I haven't said. Yeah, I heard from God in junior high, and I didn't understand it. God uh-huh. just kept saying, "Give the interview to Kula." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Who's Kula? What kind of name is that? Like a koala bear?" <laughs> it's and all it coming was, back, and now, now yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, we screwed that up. Here's here's my conversation with Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) 
Guy's got that Skype tune in my ear now. Dun, dun, dun. You say that ego is healthy, and I, I also think ego is healthy. Yes. I think anything out of hand is going to wreck your life. So ego has to be kept in check. But if you don't have one, you, it's going to be very hard for you to impact the world in a positive way. Yeah. But what is the difference between being confident and being impressed? Okay. Let me go to another word, humility. And I like Jordan Peterson's uh, definition of that. It's, 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 it's knowing you have more to learn. Hmm. I can have confidence in that. I can go, oh, I'm confident, but I, yes, yes, I have more to learn. But that in no way made me regress and go backwards. My definitions, earlier definitions in my life of humility, I always meant like, well, to be humble, but nobody wants to be humiliated. Right. And if I'm humble, wait, where does that lead into BS false modesty? And actually that's, that's not sincere. Less impressed, more involved is something that came to me after my father passed away. We can be so impressed. If I'm talking to you right now, say I have such a reverence for you. I'm so impressed with you. I can't be really be involved in this conversation. I can't give you straight back eye right. to eye. So the things that we are so impressed with and have such reverence for, mortal things in my mind, take them from reverence down to eye level, but maintain the respect. Now, I can highly respect you and be involved, but if I have such a reverence for you, I can't really be involved in the situation. You can't change. If you're, if you're impressed with yourself, you can't learn, you can't grow, you can't change. You can't get better. Well, I think if you're impressed, it's how long. Look, I, I, I try to give myself moments of good. good all right, there we go. Good job. Hey, you were good at that. I try to, I try to get that, give myself that. Got to watch it. I don't want to walk around being too impressed with myself because yeah. it's like, well, what are you doing? You're floating above the class. You're missing out being involved in the evolution and taking it to the next. It's uh, again, it goes along with that. A roof is a man-made thing. Well, if we're overly impressed with somebody else or ourselves, we've created a roof. Yeah. Because I'm just, I'm just, I'm just leaning against the roof because I'm just up here, just impressed. And when in fact I'm like, no, there's no roof. Take the roof off. Most of the times when we're so impressed or we're Icarus and thinking that we're flying too close to the sun. Yeah. That, that wax ain't even close to melting, baby. It's just maybe a little warm. You were a little <laughs> arrogant and thinking it's being so impressed. It ain't near as hot as you thought it was. You got a lot further. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. get a whole lot closer to the sun. <laughs> that's an amazing, that's an amazing thing to say. Icarus could have got a lot. Icarus was way further up than you are. Keep flying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> JJ, what a fantastic year. I love it. And uh, the conversations that we had were fantastic. We grew as professionals by leaps and bounds. The company got more mature. You watched it happen. You listened to it happen mm -hmm. on this podcast. It's going to keep happening. Uh, but 2020, you know, was a tough year for a lot of us. All of us had some hard things happen in 2020. Don't, yeah. I don't want to take away anybody's pain. Yeah. Again, this is the last episode of the Building a Story Brand podcast in three days. January 1, it changes to Business Made Simple. It's a whole new reboot of this podcast. Same great people, different format. And you're going to love it. JJ, I've taken us out 230 some odd times. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do the honors? I do. Thank you. Get us out oh of here. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, thanks. As, oh, I mean, I might get a little teary as I say this. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.